for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is, that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Now, now that's probably as far as we, we will get tonight, but it, it says verse that uh, very first verse, verse 17, the way of peace they have not known. Uh, we see, the, when you see this, you, you understand really the real meaning of this, you'll grasp and, and more so if you look at Romans chapter 5, and we'll get to that. We'll go ahead and just take a look at it. Romans chapter 5. It's not, you don't really, in some Bibles, you wouldn't even turn the page. So Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus, uh, Lord Jesus Christ. So it says, The way of peace have they not known. He's, the Lord says that being justified by faith, we know that peace. And so they don't know it because they have not been justified by faith. And so uh, God is trying to get across to us the importance of this thing, that which we're going to talk about a little bit tonight, this doctrine of justification. And what does that mean? Verse 19 says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be guilty before God. So, this verse 19, God makes it clear the purpose of the law was to show all of us that we were and are incapable of living up to the law. That's why the law was given. It was not given so people could actually live up to it. And, and somehow they changed in the minds of the Jews. Somehow they started thinking, you know, that they, they kind of made, they would make levels of, of greatness in, in God's sight by how well they kept the law. And even went so far, they started creating new laws uh, that God never said to have, but they started doing things. And, and it was how they kept the law was so, in, so important to them. And it made them better than someone else. And if you, if you really look at these first few chapters of Romans, God is making, he just beats this to death. And I'm going to keep saying it, but there is nobody that's any better than anybody. Amen. There's no human being that's ever been created that's somehow better than somebody else. And, and let's just say it, it's not better by, by nationality. It's not better by race. It's not better by your financial power. It's not better by your status. It's not better... There's no, that's what God's beating to death here. There's nobody better than anybody else. And here's one of our great dangers, folks, is when, and what he's trying to get through to here, and that's why he says, at the very best, we're just wicked sinners. What really brings us home when, when God says, all of your righteousness is as filthy rags. Now, wait a minute. It, it, if all my righteousness is as filthy rags, what's the, what's the rest of me? How dirty and how filthy. And, and I was taught this years and years ago. I really have never specifically researched it myself, kind of took it for what I was taught. But I was taught by my preacher years ago, 30 years ago, that filthy rags, when it described that, it was talking about the leprous rags, the rags that they would hang on posts that lepers could come and grab and wipe their running, oozing sores. They could wipe that off of them and literally go and hang the rag back on the post so somebody else could use it. Anybody interested in doing that? Yeah. 
That's like somebody with a running, oozing sore got a big bandage and they pull it off and you say, hey, could I use that? That doesn't sound very, very interesting and that sounds pretty nasty. But if, if it was not shared by somebody else and it was just used by that one person to write, wipe their oozy sores, their, where their flesh was decaying on their body, and God says, that's what I think of your righteousness. That's what I think of your good works. You know what? We got to be really careful how we, and this is really hard. When you look at incredible wickedness in the world, we have a tendency, and, and it's, I'm as guilty as anybody else, you kind of look and think, man, I, God, why don't you judge them? And every time that comes out of my mouth, I think, God, I'm, you judge them. Why don't you judge me? Because my sin is filthy rags also. And I, I'll be honest with you, I don't really want to come under judgment of God. You know what I want? I want grace. You know what I want for my family? I want grace. I want mercy. Is that me? Am I doing all this? See, I'm making the extra noise tonight. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but y'all tell me. <clears throat> okay, here we go. <laughs> all right. God makes it clear that the purpose of the law was to, to show all of us that we were and are incapable of living up to the law. This verse is phrased this way because he was speaking to the people who lived according to the law. We were incapable, we are incapable of being who God is and what God is. We just, we cannot do that. We we in our flesh, we cannot be who God is. We, you know, we, uh, as I've said many times, you know, when after I got saved, one of the great discouraging things to me was that every other area of my life, uh, it seemed like that if I wanted it bad enough, I could do it. If I wanted to get faster, I got faster. If I wanted to get stronger, I got stronger. If I wanted to jump higher, I jumped higher. Whatever I wanted to do, if I wanted it bad enough, I could do it. And then I got saved. And then I started serving God. And I wanted to really do right and be like Jesus. I couldn't do it. Don't laugh. <laughs> That's the first thing you laughed at. <laughs> the thought of me being like Jesus. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I really never expect that to be so humorous. But it really, you know, it just, it was, it was hard for me. And, and it, sometimes it'll creep back in on me right now that I realize, Lord, every day of my stinking life I fail. Every day, I, I, you know, I really never feel like I prayed enough. I never feel like I read enough. I never feel like I did good enough. And, you know, the truth is, that's because I haven't. And so, and, and that's what the Lord's trying to make clear to us. He really wants us to grasp the fact that you weren't going to, look, the law came to show you you couldn't live. You remember my illustration? We'll get to it in a second. All right. 
The law made it clear that we are all guilty before God. Every one of us, we're all guilty. And that's what he was saying here, that, that we become guilty before God. That's what the latter part of the verse, the world may become guilty before God. And so we all are. Without Christ, we have no peace. We don't even know the way of peace. That's what the scripture is talking about. He didn't say to know peace. He said the way of peace. We don't even know how to have peace until we find Jesus. And so we do not know the way of peace because we do not. And, and here's the reason, if you look at the scripture again, you know, that we don't know peace because we don't want peace. We have no fear of God. And, and until we start to have a fear of God, we're not going to have peace. Until we, we believe that it, our only hope is in Jesus Christ, there is no peace. Without Christ, we have no peace. We don't even know the way to peace. We do not know the way of peace because we do not want the way of peace. And therefore, there's no fear of God in us. And so it's just, God is making it so clear. And of course, he uses Paul to, as the writer to do this, but he's making it so clear. We are in some desperate need. You know that? Everybody in here, we're in, laugh at me if you want to, but, but every one of you is in desperate need too. We're all in desperate need. Verse 20, it says, therefore, by the, if that wasn't enough, now he's just going to slap us upside the head. And he said, therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. He said, if you hadn't caught this so far, nobody is justified by the deeds of the law. People say to me, they want, you know, when you, you, you say, well, you know, if it's not how you live, it doesn't help you go to heaven, and it's not, you know, and that's not uh, important toward going to heaven, and uh, then, well, just live however you want to. You totally misunderstand it. Uh, we don't live righteously or live according to the law to go to heaven. We live righteously and according to the law because he's given us heaven. If you love me, keep, keep my commandments. Now, even then, we don't have perfect love. We don't have that love. My preacher told me, again, probably 25, 30 years ago, he told me that, that uh, any man could overcome any given sin at any given moment if he was yielded to the Spirit of God. The problem is we don't always yield. And so verse 20 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And he's already said it. He's saying it again. He's saying you're not going to be justified by the deeds of the law. He said the law didn't come so you could keep it perfectly or better than somebody else. He, it came to show you that you can't keep it. It came to show you that you are in need. you got a greater need. It is first clear that it's not, never was, never will be through the law. For all men come short of absolute fulfillment of the law. Therefore, all have violated the law in some way, and all are guilty. Now, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Notice this very important statement and this, this incredible word right here, now. But now. But now something has happened. It's a very important, this word but comes in here and he says, but now, is, now is the righteousness of God revealed. Such a dark time is described by Paul as he tells of the law that cannot save, for no man can live up to the law. But what a wonderful word comes in there, but. And what makes that word even better is the word now. It says, but now the righteousness of God Perfect righteousness is manifested or shown to us. 
as Christ became flesh and dwelt among us. Christ came just as the law and the prophets told us he would come. Isaiah 53 is a great example of the testimony of the prophets that it talks about in this verse. The testimony of the prophet talked about the Christ that would come. And this, when he comes, perfection, perfect righteousness is now manifested uh, to us so that we can see it. Through Jesus, we find the perfect righteousness of God. Not through the law, but through Jesus Christ. Now this is further explained in verse 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon them, uh, to, upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. And again, folks, it, it's, he, God keeps doing this. He keeps beating it in. So I'm just going to keep saying it. I taught Book of Romans uh, years and years ago, and, and, I, and I said this to the college students then. You know, the, when, you, when God keeps repeating it, if I'm going to teach through it verse by verse, I got to keep repeating it. So don't let it become boring because apparently it's something he really wants us to get it to sink in to our brains. And he says it again here, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Notice that. You don't get a clear statement. You don't get righteousness from the law. The righteousness of God is by Jesus Christ. By faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe but here's what he throws in, for there's no difference. I don't care who you are, where you come from. Okay, Jew, I don't care if you're a Jew, and I don't care you were born a Jew, and I don't care if you can trace your, your lineage all the way directly back to Abraham, uh, which any of them could. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't care how you do it, but you're no better than anybody else that walks this earth. There's some people that, that don't have the privileges you have, don't have the power you have, and, and, and that's, one of the things that we really have to deal with in, in our country is that we get, we, we get caste systems and, and, and especially financially caste systems. Somehow, uh, you know, I, I, they just somehow, if you're more intelligent, and, and that's what we're battling right now, the educational system, forgive me, but they, they look at us and say that we're, we're stupid and we believe this because we're stupid. No, we believe this because it's true. Uh, I believe they are ever-increasing in knowledge and never able to come to the understanding of truth. So, there's no one exempt from this. We can't obtain righteousness through the law, but we can have the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. Our faith, by our faith in Christ, we can all have the righteousness necessary for salvation. There's no one exempt from this. It's, ex it's available to all who will believe. It is available to all because all need it if we're going to go to heaven. So everyone has the exact same need. That's how God says you're just the same because everyone sitting this room matters not how much money you got in the bank, matters not where you came from, who your mama was, or if you don't know who your mama was. The, the, the fact is, is that everybody has the same need. Sunday, if God was a blessing, we got a hundred visitors in here. Every one of them that walks to the door, regardless of if they came off the street because they heard about a free meal, or if they drove in in a Mercedes, they all have the same need. Everybody's got the same need. Absolutely the same need. Now, and here he's going to Emphasize it one more time in a very familiar verse. 
says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 23, of course, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul emphasizes sin so much because no one can get to heaven who does not think that they need the righteousness of Christ. This is where the problem is, is that we really, we, we, we have to, and it's one of the things that I've talked about before, coming back south, I, I face it more than I've ever faced it, not ever faced it, but faced it in a long time, and, and that's people who, because they grew up in church, because daddy was, or granddaddy was buried in the cemetery, because they got baptized when they were a kid, somehow they think they're okay. We've got to come to the understanding that we're lost before we can get saved. And Paul emphasizes this. He emphasizes sin so much because no one can get to heaven who does not think they need the righteousness of Christ. Through their own righteousness, they will always come short. And again, as I said, you know, I illustrated this recently, what it means to come short. No matter how good you are, how much better you are than someone else, you still come short of the perfection of God that is needed to enter into heaven. You come short. Um... You know, if God made a height requirement in here and he said, uh, let's, Jay, how, how tall are you? 6'1". Anybody over 6'1 in here? Six one. Okay. So if God said you got to be 6'2 to go to heaven, then all of us go to hell. Because I don't care how hard you try. Let me just give you a little hint. You don't ever get taller once you've totaled out. You're not going to get taller, Jay. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Colby, you may be entering heaven much sooner than you think. Uh. But you can't, you can't make yourself taller. Scripture talks about you can't, you can't do it. I, I, can't, I tell you what you can do. You, can, you will get shorter. Because okay. I used to be six foot and a quarter. I'm now 5'11 and three quarters. At this rate, it's going to be scary. Uh, now, you, it'll happen, but you don't, you don't get it. This is not like going to the fairgrounds. We went to the fairgrounds one time. Tara was like six years old, wasn't she, Joe Beth? Little bitty thing. You know, they got that little thing that says you can't ride the ride unless it's right here. And Tara was the cutest thing. Had little round glasses. Always sucked her thumb. And she walked right up there to the guy. And the guy's saying, you got to be up to this bar to get in. You got to be up to this bar to get in. So Tara walked up just like this. <laughs> and she stood there with her little head tucked and her glasses and her... And he goes, oh, you just made it, honey. And the entire crowd saw she's on her tiptoes. And they died laughing because he never caught it. She just, okay. <laughs> now, God is not going to let you do that. He's not going to let you get away with that. And we shouldn't have either, but Joe Beth is just that way. She just let her do it. 
The next verse says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now we're starting to get some good stuff here. Being justified freely by his grace. Two important words. Well, here we see the doctrine of justification. This is where you, you really start to see the foundation of doctrine of justification. Justification. Defined many different ways, but here's one. Declaring a person to be righteous or just is a legal and formal acquittal from guilt by God, the ultimate judge. Now, Watch this now. Justification is not forgiveness. Justification is not forgiveness. Listen to this now. Forgiveness means that I am deemed guilty but forgiven. Justification means I'm not guilty. I, I can't be because none of my sin is on me anymore. It's on Jesus. And so I've been made righteous through the righteousness of Christ. Now, notice the key words. It says freely and his grace. These are very important. It, it says being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. God, it, it just really emphasizes, look, this is not something you purchase. This is not something you earn. It's free, and it comes by his grace. Remember my illustration of grace? If it's of grace, there's no more works. Otherwise, work, uh, grace is no more grace. Everybody, do y'all remember anything I preach? Could you just, how many remember? Praise the Lord. Okay. You just lied, probably don't. But anyway, justi justification means I'm no longer guilty. I've been made righteous through the righteousness of Christ. It's so clear and it made so clear because then and now all other religions have, uh, have uh, religions of what must be done. Here's, you know, the, the God's making it so clear and he's, he's going through this thing just verse after verse trying to make it so important that we understand there's none righteous, no, not one. There's, there's none that doeth good, that, that all have gone astray, that, that, that we got cursing in our mouth, we got we, all this evil and all this. He, he say, why would he take so much time to do that? Because God knows that the world is going to be permeated with religions that all say you get to heaven by what you do. You get to heaven because you get baptized. You get to heaven because you come to church. You get to heaven because you take communion. You get to heaven because you treat people good. And usually that means I treat people better than other people treat them. And you get to heaven by all these things you do. It's, it's do, do, do. Now we don't believe that. That's religion. Christianity is done. It's not what you do. It's done. And so that's why he's taking so much time in these verses to make it so clear. It's, it is not what you do. Uh, they, the, there are the do religions, but true Christianity is a done religion. There's nothing we can do to be justified. All that is necessary for just, justification is already done. You know, if, um, if, a, if a woman owed a debt at a store, I'm not saying that any woman would ever go in debt at a store, did I say something wrong? I really am troubled with, Marco, what'd you do to this thing? It's probably a bad Man, hates. And I'll just holler at you. <laughs> 
Now, if a woman owed a debt at the store, any woman ha here have a credit card? Yeah, oh, yeah, I got a credit card. <laughs> I know you do. It's not Christmas yet. You got your green and red on already, don't you? You're probably in debt over Christmas. Got, you got them in layaway, don't you? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to quit talking to you people. Between you and Colby, y'all just trying to hurt me. But if a woman owed a debt at a store, and I know that would never happen, but if a woman ever incurred a debt that she could not pay, the store could forgive her that debt, but probably every time she walked in the door, she'd remember that she owed that and probably feel a little guilty. Or at least if it was a man that owed it, he would. And the, um, so, but if she had the charge, but now if she owed the store and the store said, we're going to take you to court to get our money. We're not letting you off. We're not forgiving it. We're going to get our money. But see, being a smart woman, she meets and marries the store owner's son. And he says, I'll take care of the debt. Then she's no longer guilty because the debt is paid. Her husband paid it. She's his bride. Can you get the correlation? And that's what it comes down to. We, we can't pay that debt. And even if God said, okay, I, you're forgiven, okay, God does forgive us of our sin. That's why I, it's very important. Forgiveness is very important, but we have to understand that forgiveness and justification are not exactly the same thing. Justification is when God puts his righteousness on me, and he takes all of his sin on Jesus. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Amen. So I'm, I, I'm no longer guilty in the sight of God. And so if a person is to be, be forgiven... Uh, they must plead guilty and beg for forgiveness. If a person is justified, he must plead not guilty and show that the prosecution has no case against him at all. And once you trust Jesus, you can look at old Satan who tries to get you to feel guilty and feel condemned, and you can tell him, sorry, I am not guilty anymore. According to God in heaven, when I stand before Almighty God, he will see me through the blood of Jesus Christ. He will see me through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He will see me through the perfection of Christ. What happened to my sin? It was on Jesus. It was on Jesus. In verse 30, and I'll be done. It says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And, I, and I'm just going to give you a propitiation. Again, uh, you, know, you can look up and get several different types. They're all, they, the definitions are all going to kind of gel, but, but uh, you know, just to get a simplistic definition, propitiation is the appeasing of God's wrath through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he says, who God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. The blood of Christ takes away all our sin. 
God's wrath is appeased when he looks at me and he doesn't look at me and say, I have wrath because of your sin. He looks at me and says, I'm appeased. Because I see the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what the scripture, and again, that's why the, the blood of Christ is so important. The blood of Christ is vital to declare the righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Propitiation is the appeasement of God's wrath through the blood of Christ. A death is demanded for our sin because he's got an unlimited step to draw nigh to me. He comes near to me instantly because he wanted to be there all along. So go 